Hi, everybody. Today, we welcome Ashley. Ashley was diagnosed with ADHD right before starting a PhD program last year. She was relieved to finally have a name for what was going on with her. But her new diagnosis also brought up a lot of emotions about her childhood and about the rigorous academic journey ahead of her. Trying to talk to her parents about it all has been a real challenge. Let's get into it. My name is Ashley Rojas. I was born in Chicago, Illinois, but I grew up in South Carolina. I'm a second year rising PhD student in economics, and I call my parents mommy and puppy. I decided to start a PhD program because post-graduation, I kept applying for jobs and none of them seemed to be related close enough to the applied microeconomic work I was truly interested in. As I was starting my PhD program, I was also recently diagnosed with ADHD. I noticed it in high school a little bit, and I knew I always had to work a little bit harder than other students, but I still tended to do very well in school. It wasn't until my psychiatrist that I was seeing for some depression in college told me that I should get a diagnosis. I first attempted to do that through the university. However, they are very strict with giving out Diagnoses, of course, because of the rates that undergrads tried to abuse Adderall. They wanted to have an interview with my parents to talk about my childhood growing up. And I knew that that wasn't going to be possible because my parents both do not speak English fluently enough to be able to have that conversation with them. Finally, starting the PhD program, I was able to get health insurance again. And I was lucky enough that I found a psychiatrist that was in my network and was able to do this testing for me. Getting an official diagnosis felt like a roller coaster of emotions. I felt like I was mourning the last 22 years of my life. I was angry in a lot of ways with my parents because I didn't understand how they could have this child in front of their eyes their whole life and not see that she was struggling so hard. And thinking about the times I would sit at the table and not know how to do my homework and instead feeling shamed on by my siblings and my parents that I just wasn't trying enough and that I was being lazy. And coming from a family where both of my siblings are extremely intelligent and feeling like I still couldn't live up to them, it was a constant state of I'm not good enough. And now here I am at, at the age of 22 where it finally makes sense and it made me realize I wasn't insane for my feelings. Once I got the diagnosis, that's when I decided I could approach my parents about it. However, it's very hard because I didn't even know how to describe ADHD in Spanish. And I didn't know how to explain to them that my brain, it doesn't run like a neurotypical brain runs. Really, all I could tell them was I can't focus. And to this day, I still think that my parents do not get it essentially very well. They think it's still in my head and that I just don't focus hard enough. I told my mom I was getting on Adderall and my mom said, well, you better make sure that you tell your doctor about this because you're not supposed to take medication that's not prescribed to you. And despite me telling her this is prescribed for me because I do have this ADHD condition, she wasn't convinced. She still thought I was seeking out some way to get medicated. I truly think a big part of it comes from the way my parents were raised. My dad is in his 70s. He only has a third grade level education. My mom didn't finish high school and got married to a stranger and moved to the United States. 
to try to get out of her life of poverty. It was a very tough time in trying to regulate my emotions while starting this PhD program. And it felt really lonely. While I tried to lean on them initially for a lot of support, I realized that anytime I would bring up any stressors, anytime I would bring up how difficult it was to keep up with all of the readings and the homeworks, it was a constant just pray from my parents. My mom was constantly telling me that I needed to pray in order to help myself through this program. And as long as I put God first, that I would be okay and that I was just too negative, that's what was getting in the way of me succeeding. So because of this, I had to try to accept the fact that my parents could not be the support system that I needed in some of my toughest times in the program so far. This is very hard, though, whenever in the program I'm in a super stressed state of being and I have a bunch of emotions come over me. I'm super overwhelmed and all I want is my mom to hold me or, you know, comfort me or come and like cook me a meal. The grinding mentality, it can be a very toxic space. As a first gen doing this right after underground, really not knowing what I was getting myself into. It's a constant state of, is everyone else feeling the same way or is it just me? And there's a reason that there's not other people like me in it because I can't handle it. So how could anyone else handle it? On a very, very personal level, this one hit home for me. At 47, I was diagnosed with mild ADHD this year. And as illuminating and as much relief as I felt, I'm still getting used to it. I'm still learning what it means for me. And I'm pretty sure Ashley and other folks are doing the same. So, of course, in the context of our show, I thought about how often first gens are the ones to seek out these types of diagnoses, how we are so lucky to have the knowledge, the wherewithal, and the means to go see a therapist or to go see a specialist so that we can get the information and the support that we need. But the flip side of that is that we're also you know, the first ones to have to come back and explain these things to our family, things that culturally may have been dismissed as laziness, as lack of discipline, as lack of focus as we were growing up. So, of course, I want us to understand how we can demystify and clarify what something like ADHD means to us and to our families. And to help us figure that out, I called in an expert. My name is Diana Mercado Marmarash. I'm a family medicine physician, and I'm also an ADHD life coach for healthcare professionals. And I used to be somebody who had two to 300 charts open, a graveyard of unfinished business. It was due to my unmanaged ADHD. And when I finally stopped ignoring that diagnosis and embraced it, I learned to see it as a gift. Let's talk about Ashley, because I felt so deeply for her as I listened to her story. Tell me what you heard. Everything she said, I swore I could have written it because I come from a first generation family too, immigrant family, and I didn't get diagnosed till the age of 23 myself during my second year of medical school. I could totally understand what she was saying, where she was going through something and 
her parents were like, you're being lazy. <laughs> Try harder. Try harder. What, mijita, just go pray about it. It will be okay. <laughs> like, get a bigger candle, mija. Let's go back one step, which is let's talk about what ADHD actually is, especially in adults. The way I explain ADHD is not good or bad. It's like being left-handed in a right-handed world. And even though you do a thousand repetitions with your right hand, like you hit and hit and hit the volleyball with the right hand, that doesn't get over the net. All of a sudden, you try with your left hand, boom, over the net. You're like, wait, what? You don't realize that you were left-handed along until somebody brought you a left-handed table and a left-handed pencil. And all of a sudden, oh, so here's the thing with ADHD. I feel like it's so misunderstood. Call it the invisible disability because it's not like you can see a broken bone. Like you can't see that, right? It's not just like, oh, I can't concentrate. You will concentrate. You will concentrate on all the things that you love. And whatever is quote unquote boring to them, they're not going to do so hot. It doesn't affect how smart you are. Like you can be very smart. But if you're not aware on how to use your executive function, executive functions are tools that help us to accomplish our goals, planning, organization, time management. And we have something in ADHD that's called time blindness. Like for us, five minutes or 45 minutes feel the same. So that could also be seen as a strength because you're used to living in the now. You get engulfed in whatever you're doing. And so ADHD can be a gift if you learn that emotional regulation is actually an executive function. And if you learn that when you kind of have a meltdown, it's because maybe you're overstimulated with one too many things coming in your way. It's almost like you have too much attention. Exactly. <laughs> it's not a lack of attention. It's that you're paying attention to so many things. Let's talk about Ashley's case, because I think in many ways, she is really emblematic of the pulls that happen in an immigrant family where you are the first to go through an experience. Your parents are not fluent in, plus they have multiple jobs and a lot of obligations if there are a lot of kids in the family. And so things do get lost in the mix. How common is that? And how do you help the providers that you work with identify when that is happening so that our listeners can sort of look around with their children, their nieces, their nephews, their godchildren, their siblings, and say, okay, I think this is what might be happening here. So you need to advocate for yourself. If you're somebody who speaks a different language, you need to ask them to accommodate what you need. That shouldn't be what limits you from getting the correct diagnosis. And if the first physician or first therapist didn't kind of answer your questions, go to the second, go to the third, because you need to figure out what is going on because it can really be life-changing. Absolutely. So like, and it's very genetic. <laughs> you might be the first one that got labeled. If you start looking around, you might be like, oh, my tia's like that. Oh, my grandma. Oh, my grandpa. And here's the thing, like the body's going to get what it needs. ADHD is low dopamine. Dopamine is a hormone that helps us to like get motivated to do things. And believe me, we'll start all the projects. Well, we'll complete them. <laughs> I'm not sure. But you have to learn to see, okay, how can I regulate this? You, if you're the grandma looking at your grandkid, 
how much energy do they have? Do they have energy at the beginning of the day, at the end of the day? You have to pay attention. If they're getting frustrated, are they getting frustrated because they don't understand or you're asking them to do a task when they're at their lowest dopamine? Like maybe when they get home, have them play a little bit. I know it sounds silly because most people are like, no, first hard work, then you do this, right? Yeah. But if you switch it around for them, you're going to see that now they have worked up their dopamine levels to be able to accomplish the task that you want them to do. So dopamine could be exercise, running. But what I was saying is that people are going to get what they need. So you might see your your Thea having like five coffees a day, right? And that's how they regulate unaware that they might have ADHD. Let's talk a little bit about folks like Ashley who might have put themselves in a very rigorous, very demanding position, like a PhD program or a high-performing job or something like that. Yeah. And they're finding that they're having a hard time focusing and maybe they don't have a diagnosis, but maybe they've suspected something. What are the initial steps that they should take? Okay, so... Females usually tend to be diagnosed with ADHD or depression or anxiety, usually later in age. They might have the mixed features of ADHD, which is hyperactive and inattentive, but usually they're going to get diagnosed during college or during their master's or during law school, during a higher education, or after they have become like the CEO of a company or like the big boss of a certain thing where a lot more administrative tasks are being thrown at them or after the birth of their first child. Because if you thought that working hard was what got you here and you're just going to do 80 to 100 hours more and then that doesn't work out, then that's when you're like, oh, so what can you do? You have to go ask for help because many times you might be labeled as anxiety and depression, but you are anxious and depressed because you cannot function, because you have unmanaged ADHD. If your ADHD was managed, all of a sudden you're not anxious or depressed, right? So, and I can say that, yes, sometimes they both can be true, right? But sometimes they're not. Mm -hmm. I think the most important thing is asking yourself, what has worked in the past? So like for me, when I know that when I went to school, I would talk to everybody. I'd be talking to everybody and I wouldn't focus on the professor. Instead of going to class, I would just listen to the professor as I was running around rice. So like I learned to do things my way and not how they would learn, but how I could learn. And this is what you need to learn. How can I support my kid? How can I support my spouse? Maybe you ask them, hey, um, how do you learn best or what works best? Like, do you need a reminder? Does Alexa have to go off, you know, on Tuesday? night at 7 p.m. to tell you to take out the trash, like trying to set up systems to help support you. But bringing it back, what can I do now if you think something's up? You need to go to a therapist or you can start with a family medicine or internal medicine physician who are the general physicians or a counselor. Or if you're in high school, go to your counselor, right? I think you just need to normalize mental health because as immigrants and as first generation, we have learned that to get to our goals, we work hard. But what if it didn't have to be that hard? <laughs> what if we could be in flow by learning to ask for help soon? All right. So I have one final question for you. 
the way that Ashley's, you know, mom was like, pray about it. There are other sort of like cultural suggestions that might be made. That una limpia or burn some sage or like all kinds of things. How does the person who might be suspecting that they have ADHD, how can they navigate these cultural suggestions, let's say, these cultural remedies without offending the person who means well when they're suggesting these? Yeah, if we wake up every morning thinking that everybody around us is doing their best, like they're not on purpose trying to make your life harder than it is. If you just keep that and think that her suggestions are coming from a place of love, like maybe that's all she knew, like those were her tools. That's how she got through whatever she needed to get through. But because of what she did, now Ashley has the possibility to get educated. Now she has more awareness, right? And some of these things, rituals, I mean, they give us a sense of belonging. They give us a sense of community. So they're still important because those are the two things that get us to be grounded, like community and belonging, Some of us have not been taught that emotions are our compass. And some of us have not been taught that emotions are the reason we do everything we do. Like, why do we get married to that person? Oh, we're hoping we're going to have a long life of happiness. Why did we buy that specific house? Or why do we go get that specific car? Or You know, like everything is due to an emotion. When we don't realize that emotional regulation is one of the main executive functions that can be affected with ADHD, like we're impulsive, like we'll tell you what we're thinking without even like realizing we already said it out loud. But again, that could be a strength because then you get labeled as a leader or you get labeled as like somebody who calls stuff out when everybody else was thinking it. I love what you just said about emotions are a compass. I think that is such a beautiful way to put it. And I heard of something in the last two years that I have basically committed as a life philosophy, which is that we have been educated to think that people are beings who think and sometimes feel. But in fact, we are beings who feel and sometimes think. So we are primarily wired to work from our emotions. Yeah. And here's the thing with emotions. Like we're so used to quickly label them. That's a good one. That's a bad one. That's a good one. That's a bad one. But here's the thing. Like, just like you need the sun, you need the moon. Sometimes we have to go through stuff, through pain, through growth. Diana, thank you so much. You're a complete gem. I've learned so much today. Thank you so much for having me. All right, here's what Diana taught us today. Use your emotions as a compass. Feelings of frustration or overwhelm may be signs that your dopamine levels are low. Try going for a run, engaging in a fun or pleasurable activity, or taking time to rest before going back to work. Get to know yourself. What do you need to feel your best? When do you learn most easily? When does it feel like things are in flow? This kind of self-reflection can help you replicate what has worked in the past and help you communicate your needs to others. And remember, find the gifts. Many of the challenges of living with ADHD can be turned into assets if harnessed in the right environment. A mental health professional, a strong support system, and a community of people who also have ADHD 
can help you see this diagnosis in a new light. Thank you for listening and for sharing us. How to Talk to Mommy and Papi About Anything is an original production of LWC Studios. Virginia Lora is the show's producer. Trent Lightburn mixed this episode. I'm the creator, Juleka Lantigua. On Twitter and Instagram, we're at Talk to Mommy Papi. Bye, everybody. Talk to you soon.